following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that liberates, that sets us free. We thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your abiding presence, that you are with us forever, and uh, that this is a sealed work, uh, a promise that's been realized, uh, that you would uh, give us a new heart and a new spirit. And now, Holy Spirit, you are faithful to write your word, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts and to continue to seed our hearts with truth so that we might grow up and demonstrate this glorious kingdom, that we might be instruments, that we might be the light of the world, Lord. Help us to, to faithfully um, seek and serve you in all the different aspects and details of life. Lord, I know that, that as we come into this place, there are things in each of our lives that, uh, that are challenging. You told us in this world we would have trouble, but take heart, you've overcome the world. You've reminded us that, uh, that there are going to be hard times, uh, but that you're with us. This is the glorious promise and truth that uh, helps us to know that, that we can move through any moment knowing and trusting in your promises, in your word. Uh, thank you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you have come to produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that these things are not native to us, but to you. And so we pray that you would... Um, just manifest your powerful presence and pray for comfort for those that um, that are just continuing to experience loss or be reminded in this season of those moments. We pray for your 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 comfort. You're the God of all comfort and you provide comfort for those directly from your spirit and through your body. I just pray that that would be the byproduct of this moment as we just lean into you for the for the hope and answers that only you provide. And so, Lord, I pray you touch each heart, each need, each person. Lord, will you continue to administer your grace in its various forms and ways that, that nurture our hearts into yours and knit us together in ways that, um, that only you can. And so we thank you. Help us to be thoroughly reminded that, Lord Jesus, you are the reason for the season. Let us not get wrapped up in, in uh, the gifts and the trimmings, uh, but help us to be... Uh, Help us, as the song says, to enthrone you in our hearts yet again this season. Uh, thank you for coming to be this, the, the glorious Savior that we were so desperate for. You are the gift of Christmas, and we acknowledge that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to dive into this passage, but before I do, um, do you know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do you know that this morning? That How much? None. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And do you know that perfect love casts out all fear? Because fear has to do with punishment. And Christ took our punishment and our debt. And now we are relieved of that debt, no longer enslaved to sin, liberated to joyful obedience. And this is the gift of the cross. But I want to tell you this morning that heaven's gift, there's a gift that is in Jesus' words, that's greater than the fact that, I mean, do you feel gifted to know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do you, do you feel gifted to know that your sin has been relieved of you, not by something you did, but what he did for you in order to demonstrate the Father's love for you? Like, this is the gift of God. But Jesus said that I have a gift from you. Heaven's helper is coming to, to, to abide in you He's already told them forever in order to seal you as mine, to remind you of everything I've told you, to, to be the very one that will lead you in truth, like help you to unpack my word and not just write it on tablets of stone as he did on Mount Sinai, but to write it as he's promised through his prophets on our hearts and to continue to sanctify, which means make us perfect, like to grow us up in his image, right? Through his word, he's going to continue to transform and change. He's going to finish what he started in us. Now, that is glorious. Now, to know that, that God's, that Jesus' greater ambition than to be on the planet and to, to, uh, to, to suffer for our sin, right? And to rest, set the captives free 
was to ultimately plant his kingdom in us, plant himself in us, put his spirit in us to guide, to transform, to, to continue his life and ministry through ours. And this is what the spirit, like Jesus says, it's better that I go that he might come. In the ESV, it says, it's to your advantage that I go. Can you imagine? Now, I just want to kind of put our hearts in the context of this passage. Like, can you imagine how hard that would have been for the disciples? How, how dependent do you think the disciples became upon Jesus' guidance, love, direction, provision, protection over three years? To this point, to this moment, do, do you think that they were pretty, like, Pretty glad to have them with, to have him with them. And now he has, and it's not like it's a new message. Jesus has told them countless times that I'm going to be crucified. But in every time that he says that, he says, but after three days, I'm coming back. But it, they seem to, they don't seem to get there. They seem to get locked in on, you're going to die? What? what? And, uh, and this seems to bring sorrow and here in these final, this is referred to as the farewell discourse. This is the conversation that if you've ever wondered, what did, Jesus, what did they talk about it, it, from leaving the upper room all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 14, latter part of 13, 14, all the way to chapter 17 is what is, is Jesus just pouring his heart out and preparing them for his departure. And all this did was, and he knew this, he knew this would be their response, is it filled, it says, their heart with sorrow, right? You're leaving us, but you, you're sending yourself through your spirit. I mean, can you imagine how hard that was to, to swallow at this moment and to think that he's, he's told them that you're going to do greater things than I've done, and that's why he must go to the Father so that the Father might pour out the promised spirit and that you will finish what I have started, is what he says. We're told that he's going to clothe us, right? This, the, this is his last words before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, he says to them, don't worry about the times, the seasons, when the king, don't worry about any of that, but just know this, that when, when, when the spirit comes, I'm going to clothe you with power from on high, right? And then he says, the outcome of that will be this. You will be my witnesses. This is what the coming of the Holy Spirit is all about. And the Holy Spirit isn't come to invade space or buildings or churches. He's come to invade, invade the, the, the church, the body of Christ, Tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. He's talking about you and me and putting his spirit in us. And so Jesus is continuing this conversation with them. Yes, preparing them for his departure, but also at the same time saying, I'm preparing you for my arrival or his arrival, right? Who in the most intimate of ways that he is saying, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. And when, when he, says, he, says, he says he's been with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about himself. This is the intimacy between the Father, Son, and Spirit that we see Jesus constantly pointing to in this conversation with them. Why? Because they're so brokenhearted and concerned and overwhelmed by the fact that how can you leave us? How can we do this without you? How can we possibly do this without you? And Jesus says, <laughs> the scope of what you will do, like what, he, what, what he's ultimately doing, guys, is he's wanting to put himself in the many, the church, so that his life can be manifested not just in the first century, but in 2023, right? And he's saying that you're going to do even greater things. Because the scope of what you're going to do is going to be beyond my lifetime. And I've come so that I could cleanse the temple, us, right? And then put my spirit in it so that like a tabernacle, you can move through the desert of life 
and shine for my glory and demonstrate my presence and my power in this world. And then the life of Christ continues to manifest itself to the world through us, right? This is, this is God's glorious plan. It's not just to save us, but we're saved to serve, right? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We're rescued in order to be lifesavers, just to be instruments of the Holy Spirit. And the good news is this, he's going to do it. And we get to be a part of it, right? That, that, that he's going to rescue others by revealing his righteousness through our lives in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's going to put heaven in us in order to rescue, to save, to reveal light and to expose darkness. And let's remember this as we go into the text. Let's remember this. When, when light came into darkness... They didn't like the light. This is John chapter 1, 1 to 11, like because it exposed their darkness. But for some, when the light came in, they, 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 wanted, they wanted to be relieved of their darkness. So they, they yielded to the light and the finishing work of the cleansing work of Christ washed them and made them the, the, the instrument, the the, the conduit of heaven's glory and power. All of, I mean, like, it, it takes everything. It's, you know, we see in John chapter 1, verse 14, that, 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 that Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And now what he's telling the boys here is that that's, I'm going to put myself inside of you. You're, you're so desperate to have me beside you and you can't imagine doing what I've been doing without me. So I'm going to do an internal work that is going to transform you from the inside out and then my life is going to continue to have its glorious... Did Jesus change the world? Do you see that he wants to continue to change the world through the body of Christ? And that he, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, right? And, and, uh, and what was critical, and we'll see it in the text, what was critical was, did they believe Jesus? Do, do you believe all of the, the glorious things that Jesus has declared to be true? And if we do, if we believe, that's what brings them to fruition, right? It's, it's through believing that he is who he is that we come to know the, the glorious intimacy of his Spirit's presence. Let me read our text for today, and then I'm going to tell you up front what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back, because I jumped a little further along in the text from last week. I'm going to fill in the gap afterwards to kind of, but, I, but I, what I want to, to teach today is verses, chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. So if you could turn with me to the Gospel of John, uh, we'll be in chapter 16. This is a part of the farewell uh, uh, discourse where Jesus is trying to prepare the boys for his departure. They're left the upper room. They're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is telling the, them these glorious truths, and it has created such great sorrow for them. And listen uh, as we go through this. So starting in verse 5. But now I am going to him. Who's the him? The Father who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What do you think they, their thought was at that moment? What? How could that anything be better? Right? Like, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, if I do not go away, the helper, who's, who's the helper? Will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world through who? Through us. Right? 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When this, and, and he's not saying that he will tell them in short, and, and he's saying, I'm going to leave that for the Holy Spirit to unpack for you, right? And he says, but when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. How much truth? And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you all that the father has is mine all that the father has is mine he will take what is mine which is all that the father has and he will declare it to you this is what the holy spirit wants to give us you know jeremiah 33 3 says call to me and i will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know like, and this is the like this is the great fruition of that like the holy spirit is going to unpack all that the Father has, right? It's, 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 a, it's a powerful promise. And therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, so the context of this, uh, we, we finished last week a mere wonderful job of moving through chapter 17, helping us to know that God desires to have such intimacy with us, including friendship, that Jesus said, my command is this, that you love one another. To what degree? as I have loved you, love one another. And, uh, and so we move to, to verse 18 here. So I'm going to give you the backdrop between verses 15, chapter 15, 18 to 4, so that we have a context. Because what Jesus is doing here is preparing them for just not only for the coming of the Holy Spirit and helping them to know that I'm not, you know what he said in chapter 14? He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to give you my spirit to empower, invigorate, and, and continue to motivate and move you into the ministry that, that I have purposed for you, with you, through you. And, uh, but, but prior to our text this morning, he is preparing them for some hard context. Now, I remind you, Jesus challenged us in the Sermon on the Mount to walk the narrow path. And did he say that path was easy or hard? Did he tell us that this, in this world we would have troubles? Did we see when love showed up in, in perfection that the world only offered rejection? Do we see that? Do we see when Jesus came to rescue, he didn't get loved, he got hated. And he got hurt. And, uh, and so this is what he says to the boys leading up to our passage this morning. This is what he says uh, in chapter 15, verse 18 through 16, 4. It says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you, were, if, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, of the world. So we're not to be of the world, but we're called to be in it, right? So, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, now, he's not talking about us being separate because he wants us to, he clarifies this over and over again. John clarifies this in 1 John. He doesn't want us to be separatists. He doesn't want us to be alienated from our mission field. He just doesn't want us to be conformed to it. Does that make sense? Right? But he doesn't want us to isolate from it because that's the very purpose that the Spirit is in us so that we would go and make disciples, so that we would go and, and, and reflect the light of Christ to the world, that we would go and, and love as we've been loved. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute, persecute you. And think about what's on the horizon here, right? His arrest, his betrayal, his denial, his, his crucifixion, all of that. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. 
But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If, they had not, if I had not come and spoke to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But I came and I told them the truth. I came and I demonstrated the kingdom. I came and I showed them the Father's love. But now they have no excuse for their sin. And what is their sin? What is ultimately their sin? Unbelief, right? That's what it is. That's the, that's the sin. Whoever hates me, he hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did as evidence, uh, authenticating signs of who I am and whose I am, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Now, he shifts here. First of all, he's trying to create, uh, you know, he's not pulling any punches. He didn't say, oh, you know, it's going to be a great life. It's going to be easy. It's going to be, you know, he's saying it's going to be hard. You're going to be hated, right? He says both those things. You're going to have trouble. And then he, he modeled all of it for us on how to react and respond and relate to these moments. And so they've been, they, they've been, they've been given an awesome example throughout these last three years. And he's saying that what, what you saw me face and what you will see me face in the next hours, just know that, that you're going to face the same circumstances. We're told in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are insulted and persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, that that's a part of the blessed life. And that's, that's it, 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 we're even told in that passage to rejoice because they did the same thing to the prophets, right? That, that that's, that's our that's our challenged response verse 25 but then i'm sorry verse 26 but then he shifts here to where we're going this morning he he goes back to what he's been talking about for quite some time and he says but when the helper comes who's the helper see heaven has sent help right we we have been helped from heaven in in, you know by heaven (laughs) By, by God himself, like God himself has sent himself by his spirit to, to come. I mean, how resourced are we? <laughs> how, like, like, what do you have that you haven't been given? And, 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 and we're told that though, though you are evil fathers, you, you know, earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts. How much more will I give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Just Ask. Like, do you know that it, it's, it's our Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God? Like, let's not misrepresent God's heart and His intention. Christ came to set you free, right? Christ came to give you the kingdom and to give you the Father and to, and to share His inheritance with you. Like, it's His good pleasure to do these things for us. But our sin is unbelief. And in our unbelief, we're told in this, in this passage that that is, that is because we hated, we loved our lives more than we loved him. But when the, Holy, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, whom proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will do what? Bear witness about me. How does he do that? Through us. Right? Through us. This is what the the Spirit of God, we're clothed with power to be his witnesses. Because it says this, verse 27, and you also will, will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. What is he talking about? He wants us to know, like, he wants us to know the, the, the circumstances are going to be difficult, but the power is going to be perfect. Isn't that good news? Right? And he modeled it for them. They, they will put you out of the synagogue, he tells them. They will kick you out of their church. Indeed, not, now that, that, don't translate that to, now, that's different, right? Like, they're, they're it says, and I will, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. 
Do you remember who had that mentality? Paul, right? They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Now, as I mentioned in class this morning, like, it's important that we understand this. Like, what he is saying is, is like, can you know somebody and not know them? Can you know about somebody and not really know them? Right? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about, like, they don't have any relationship, intimacy with me. I know them, but they don't know me. And so I'm, I'm, they're not known to me. They're not intimate with me. Jesus says in the last days, depart from me, for I did not know you. It's not that he doesn't know the number of hairs on our head. He just, he's, you're not known to him because there's no intimacy there. There's no, there's no covenantal bridal relationship. Verse 4, but I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember what I told, that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning. It wasn't necessary. Why? Because I was with you. But now, this is the segue into our passage this morning, but now that I'm departing and he is coming, I want you to know these things. Because what would have been the benefit of having Jesus in their presence, literally the king on earth, like Jesus here, right? He would have provided, he would have buffered them from all of that hatred and persecution. He would have protected them. He would have guided and directed them. He would have set an example for them. He would have instructed them in the Father's will. So what he is saying now, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do for you. Don't worry. Can you imagine the difference in disposition between them and him? And we'll see it here in the very first verse. He's kind of going, it's going to get better. It's, this is to your advantage. He said, you know, Hebrews 12, 1 said, you know, for the joy set before three... For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like Jesus was, was, was passionate about finishing his mission because he knew it was the hope of the nations. And yet he's talking to an audience that is sorrowful because he's leaving. And they can't, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight, right? But they didn't have that in that moment. And they're saying, we can't do this without you. Can you imagine what they're saying, feeling here? If you leave, it's over. And Jesus is saying, no, when I leave, it's just getting started, man. And I'm, I'm going to send you heaven's spirit in order to move you to continue to do what I've done. And it will go on from there. So let's look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus says this, but now I am going to him, him being the father who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? I'll talk about this in a moment because if you're, if you're very familiar with the last two chapters, you're going, wait a second, Peter asked him where he was going in 13, 36, and I remember Philip asking him where he was going in 14, in the early part of 14. It's that they, they are now not asking because the answers that they've gotten, they didn't like. But they should have loved, right? He says, he says I'm, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and take you to myself. Like he said these wonderful promises, but, but they're, they're just so saddened by the fact that he is talking about his death and departure. Verse 6, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Do you remember how Jesus started this whole conversation in chapter 14, verse 1? This is what he said. He said, Let let not your hearts be troubled. And then he said this. Here's the antidote. Believe in God, the Father. Believe also in me. And then he makes a promise. He said, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be. So like... This, this, is, this is his heart to encourage them and to equip them for this, for this season, for this moment. Uh, I'll remind you uh, in John chapter 13, 36, the first time that this question is answered, Peter, uh, Simon Peter said to him, verse, chapter 13, verse 36, Lord, where are you going? 
Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. What does it say? Now. But you will follow me afterwards. So there's a promise that he, we will eventually be in his presence, but until then, I, he wants us to stay equipped to, cont- like Jesus, guys, Jesus' life and all that he went through, it, was Jesus' life easy? Was his ministry easy? Like, like everything he went through, like is meant to empower us to finish what he started. Now, isn't that challenging? Like, like, Paul says, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the cross. In other words, Paul continued to suffer for the, for the, for the church to be saved. And, and a lot of times, I mean, are we, are we honoring? Are we honoring the gift, the sacrifice, the, the, the price that Jesus paid by by yielding to the Spirit and finishing the mission, fulfilling the mission of Christ. Does that make sense this morning? Like, because, like, all that he did was so that we could continue to do, or he could continue to do through us by his Spirit, he could continue to rescue the world. And we get to be a part of that. Do you know in, in, in glory, and when it's all said and done, that's all that's going to matter. It's, you're not going to wish you spent more money on f- stuff and, and had more stuff and, 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 and made a mark for yourself. You're just not. And um, so let me, let me point out a couple things that grip my heart about, for chapter, about verse 6. Okay, because I've said these things to, to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Why are they sorrowful? He has spoken of his departure, right? And, it, it's, and his death. And so that makes sense, right? That's why they're sorrowful. But if they had understood and trusted the Father's plan and his words, would they have been comforted? Now let me tell you why that's so important. Now listen, if they would have taken in what he said in these moments and in moments past, and they had put their trust and hope in his word and what he had said to them and said, I, I trust that that's the way. They would have joined him in the rest of the journey rather than run. You know what I'm saying? Like rather than being filled with sorrow, they would have been filled with ambition and purpose. Well, there's something to be learned here. We are called to trust his word before its fulfillment. That's what true faith does. And when we do, we experience comfort rather than sorrow. Because our, our, our belief and our trust and our, our, our conviction is that if he said it, that's reality. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? <laughs> right? And does that not give you some incredible sense of comfort in the midst of current context and circumstances? But if we don't put our trust in that truth, the reality of his return, then we are void of that, of, that, of that benefit. And we can find ourselves sorrowful a lot. I mean, is, is some of the current context of your life sorrowful? But does his truth and his promises, if trusted upon, give you comfort? You see what I'm saying? Our emotions are often indicators of our faith or lack of. Now look, I am, I'm not standing here saying that I don't struggle with all of this. Okay, I just want to be clear. I always say that often, but I want to say it again. Like, like I'm not going to come up here and, and teach what I can do. I'm going to teach what the Holy Spirit can do, right? And, and what I can't do and boast in my weaknesses and my frailty. I'm a jar of clay. It's his surpassing glory that invades our lives and does the supernatural in the midst of the natural. Look, it's natural to be sorrowful, but it's supernatural to experience the comfort of God in the midst of it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and our part in that is just to trust his word, is to believe what he says is, is, is the way it's going to go. And 
And let me point this out. Um, it's so important. Like they didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit at this moment. And we see when the, the, the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost in just about 53 days from now, from this moment, right? Like when, when the Spirit is poured out at that moment, all of a sudden like they are filled with, with vigor and resolve and conviction and fortitude. They're not hiding in rooms. They're, out, they're outside declaring the glories of God. And I'm, what I'm pointing to here is to say this. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no hope of living out God's word. Like, he wants us to trust him, put faith in him, but it is the Spirit of God that invigorates faith into reality. And so, and here's the other challenge. It's not, it's not before we trust him, it's after we trust him. And when they had done so, the boats were filled. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's true faith puts confidence in God's promises before they're, in fact, not before, like when they don't even seem possible. And then they, they become the reality of our experience and our sorrow is overcome by the comfort of his presence in the trusting of his word. Do you trust his word in the, in, in the midst of painful circumstances? And can I relieve you of any sort of burden here? It's a process. It's a journey. Uh, you know, like, but, but let's, let's go with him. Like, let's let him continue to, to sanctify us through his word. Let us, let, let's not look at them as failures, but as opportunities to grow. And, and we would declare like that dad, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. But, but are you growing to know that God's word is fact and not fiction? that it's something to put all of our stock in because it's declared to us from, uh, from the vantage point of, of all of the future. <laughs> he knows it all. So emotions are natural. Faith is a supernatural response. And this is why Jesus marveled at the centurion because he said, the centurion said, just say the word. Well, who says the word and things happen? Only God. And that's what he was saying. Like, you, you're, you're seeing me for who I am, and you're putting confidence in me. Remember, they're in the boat, and Jesus says, why are you afraid? And basically, he wants them to, you know, I'm right here. What do you have to be afraid of? And sometimes our fear manifests itself in emotions that can be debilitating and paralyzing. But faith, putting trust in God's word in those moments will usher in a comfort that is supernatural. Verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. Jesus continues to tell them the truth in the midst of hearts that are filled with sorrow. That is such an example to us. Like he doesn't move to, okay, I'm going to, you know, just tell you what you need, what you want to hear, right? He continues to stay the course and tells them the truth because he knows that's what's going to liberate them to set them free from their sorrow. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. See, the Lord tells them the truth knowing their reaction. Do you tell others the truth even though it might cause sorrow? Man, you can't please man and please God at the same time. Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, that when man's looking to please God, but, but, but we've got to be God pleasers. And that this is not an excuse to speak the truth without love. If, if there's not love in it, there's no fruit in it, right? And so we need to have God's heart in it. But, but we, we are to be truth tellers that believe the truth sets people free. Jesus says, this is painful, but it's to your advantage. That's what he says. Are, are his ways higher than our ways? Are his ways better than our ways? And so, like, what he is saying is, is that, oh, let me ask, I, I think I asked the question here. How often do we understand what the Lord is doing? 
Because I'm just thinking about the moment that they're in. Do, do they have any understanding of what Jesus is trying to even explain here or what God is doing? Even though they had all the prophetic <laughs> promises, all of that, right, that just really, you know, uh, illustrated it to perfection, you know, did they understand what Jesus was doing, what God was doing in this moment? But what was Jesus calling them to do? Trust him and to, and to believe his word and to allow that word to comfort their sorrow and to overcome their doubt and to speak, to speak life. And see, I, God's way is going to be realized, right? So like, let, let's, let, and is it, is it, is it counter nature, counter culture? Is it, is it counterintuitive at times? And so do you see how critical faith is to put, I mean, so let me ask you this way. Do you think it would have been tough to put faith in what Jesus was telling the boys at this moment? Right? We have the assistance. We have the powerful assistance of the Holy Spirit to, to not just lead us into truth, but to help us to, to, to live out that truth, to walk in it. So then, what needs to be our posture? Jesus said, if you, if, you, if you obey my words, if you put them into practice, it's like you're building your house upon the rock. But if you just listen to my words and you don't, you don't heed them, you don't keep them, then your, your house is going to, your life is going to fall apart when the storms come. It's going to fall apart. But if you put my words into practice, your life will stand in the midst of the storms because your life is built upon me and my word. Right, and so that's that. That's the part. He says this too. Why do you call me? This he said this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's not true. That's what he's saying. It's like if you don't do what I say, then I'm truly not your Lord. It's so clarifying. So why was our Lord's departure to their advantage? This was my thoughts to that question. Because that's what I do. I just sit and I ask questions and then I'm processing. And, and it's, think about this. His death for sin's debt, his burial for sin's bondage, and his resurrection for, for, to purchase us to himself also cleansed the temple of the believer so that his spirit, heaven's helper, might dwell in us. That's what he wanted them to understand. He wanted to help, to help them understand this I go to say stuff, and then it's like, I already wrote that down. No longer beside you, but inside. See, first God was with us. Now God is in us. And Jesus says, that's better. But, but they needed to trust him in order to be not overcome by sorrow and run and hide, which is what we've done since the garden. Jesus had a body to do his work on earth. Now the spirit has the body of Christ, the church, to continue his work on earth. Do you see? This is what he's trying to help them to see. Let's remember the Holy Spirit uses us to continue his redemptive plan. He uses us to, to, to finish what Jesus started. And so, like, whenever you're, you're, you're just... You know, if you, if you choose to watch the news, the bad news, um, rather than s like setting your mind and steeping your, your thoughts in the good news, like, you know, there's a lot of darkness, right? But, but here's the thing, like, the church is equipped to be the light of the world, right? And, and you know what overcomes darkness? Say it loud. Light! You know, like, and we're told that, that, that we're, we know wherever there's light, it doesn't even have to be a whole lot. Darkness flees. It cannot abide in, the, in, in light. And the glory of God is on display in our lives when we are submitted to him and we allow his spirit to have full reign and rule in our life because it's his kingdom. He's the king. Let him rule. Let him reign in your life. And in that way, others will see the shine that will draw them in. Because look, I don't care who you are, darkness is discouraging. Light, though revealing, 
is illuminating and, and refreshing, liberating for sure. Jesus, I, I said that already. Let's remember, I said that already. Let me, let me read, um, let me read uh, these four verses. So I'm going to tell you this. These four verses, for me, just light up this passage so beautifully. I'm going to go back to early days in Jesus' ministry where he said something that I don't think anybody in that moment understood, but we fully understand now, and we should be like, that's awesome, right? Because we have the benefit of hindsight, and, and, uh, and we're beyond Pentecost, and we're filled with the Spirit. Hopefully, we've, we've experienced that indwelling work. And, and, but this is what he said back in John 7, verses 37 to 39. Listen to what he said. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Can you imagine the passion, the, 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 the passion for his ministry to have impact? If anyone thirsts, now this is talking about soul thirst, let him come to me and drink. Drink, be satisfied. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, this is the, he's describing what the presence of the Holy Spirit does through a, through a saint, a believer. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said, listen, listen, now listen. And this he said about the Spirit, whom those who, What? believed in him were to, future tense, receive. This he said about the Spirit whom those who believe. So how is the Spirit, how, how does God do this incredible new creation work of putting his very kingdom, his Spirit in us? Do we, do we know that it is, it, it is through belief? It's not through it's not through effort or work or merit on, any behalf, on anybody's part. It is, it is by belief. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Listen, for as yet the Spirit had not been given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to pay to atone for the sins of the world. He had to wash the temple clean with his precious blood. All of that symbolic throughout the entire Old Testament, right? Between the temple, through the sacrificial system, through the Passover lamb, we see all of it, right? So that then he could pour out his spirit upon the world, but the saint, the believer, so that he could continue his mission to rescue the world. Listen to what John, just a few chapters back, recently talked about here. John 14, 15 through 17, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the mark of, a trusting, uh, of trusting Christ as Lord, a love for him that is motivated to, to obedience. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Why does he say another? Because he was the first one in a smaller context. To be with you for how long? Forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But then he says this, you know him. How, how, do, how do we know him? He says, for he dwells with you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself, the spirit of God's presence within himself, right? And you will be, and, excuse me, and will be, speaking of the spirit of God, in you. This is the promise. God wants to put his, his heart, his passion, his purpose, his power, his presence in us so he can do a transformative work through us. Chapter 15, we just looked at this uh, a moment ago. But when the, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what is our purpose as the, as the Christian, as the saint, what is the purpose of the church? To witness, right? To tell, to testify to Jesus in the unique ways that he has ministered and changed our lives. And you also will bear witness, right? Because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, because you have been with me from the beginning. 
And then finally, I want to take us forward from this moment to Pentecost. This is, we know it was like 9 a.m., the third hour, and Peter has walked out the door from a miraculous moment where God has poured out his spirit just as he had promised. They are all praying and and they, and they basically are thrusted into a moment of worship and, uh, and the 15 known languages that were outside their doors, they had no idea. They begin to, to prophesy, uh, just begin to declare the glories of God, the oracles of God in those languages, right? Which was completely beyond them, but it was for the benefit of the, the hearer, right? And in the midst of that, trying to explain that to them, which everybody thinks, they're all thinking that they're drunk. That's how crazy it is, right? And he's saying, we're not, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Like, like, this is what's happened, and this is what he says. This is Peter, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit now, transformed by his power and presence. This Jesus God raised up. Of that, we are all witnesses. Now, he's talking to at least 3,000 people now, right? And more. And... Uh, <laughs> And he's saying, all of us are witnesses, right, of the fact that Jesus was uh, raised from the dead, that God raised him. Of that, we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted to, at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Jesus, has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Okay, so why do I share that? Because... Like, the world needs to see and hear. And, and what were they doing? They were, they were worshiping the Lord. They were, they, were over, they were overcome by the Holy Spirit's presence. I want to pause for a moment here, and I might come back to this next week because this is so important. I don't know, in, in the book of Acts, there's this moment. Okay, this is basically the early church and the history of the early church. And we say acts, it's really acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and what happens at this moment is this, th- these people that have um, experienced the Lord, they, um, they've experienced the baptism of John the Baptist, which was a baptism of repentance. And they are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. But in this moment, Paul comes to them and says, what baptism did you receive? And they said, well, the baptism of John. He goes, we have not heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or experienced it. And Paul begins to lay hands and pray over them that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let, let me say very clearly, there are, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that only Jesus can do. Right? He says, John the Baptist said, uh, I baptize you with water, but there's one who comes after me that, that who will baptize you with with what? With the Holy Spirit and fire, right? And this is a purifying work that he's talking about, fire and the Spirit. And so it, it's Jesus, th- because he's the only one that knows genuine and sincere faith, right? Baptism is uh, of repentance that John was doing was to prepare the way or the heart for Jesus's ministry. Repentance is, uh, is, a, is the first step to acknowledging and receiving and, and, uh, and believing in Christ. And so my concern is that there might be some among us that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, that, are not, that haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now let me, let me draw a, a, a distinction that as believers, we can experience the filling of the Holy Spirit often throughout our lifetime. We can even ask for it. Right and uh, and crave the the filling of the spirit so that the the characteristics of his of his spirit might be more evident in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I mean, is anybody hungry for those things personally? Must less to manifest those things to a world that's dying to see that on display. So, like, my my concern is is that there are people that have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I I just I just want to pray. I just want to pray this morning that, and let me tell you that this is, this is, this is the catalyst to, to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's been talked about several times. To believe that Jesus is God, he's Lord, and that he rose from the dead. No one took his life, he gave it. 
He laid it down that he might take it up again, that he might draw men unto himself. And, and if we sincerely, and only God knows, if we believe that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead, I mean, Romans 10 tells us this. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And, uh, and the sealed work of the Holy Spirit is a game changer. Like, you can't walk out God's word without his spirit. You can't live a godly life without his spirit. You can't even understand in anything about the Lord without his spirit. Like, this, this is, we're so desperate for power to be his witnesses. And so if you're here today and you would say, man, you know, I... I've, I've believed, I, 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 think, I, I don't know, but I don't know that I've ever experienced the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm just going to ask you to stand this morning. Like, it's going to be celebrated here, maybe not out there, but here. I'm going to ask you to stand, and, and I just want to pray that God would, f- that His Spirit would fall on us today through the filling of his spirit, through the baptism of his spirit, only God knows. But can I tell you this, that this is, God desires to give this gift. His heart is to pour out himself in us, to plant his kingdom in us. This is what Jesus came, Jesus came to do this, right? This is, this is to our advantage. If you're here this morning and you've, you just don't know that you've ever had the the baptism, experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you just stand? I'm just going to pray in this moment uh, for anybody that would like prayer as it relates to, to that. All right, let's, let's pray, Alex. Father, I thank you that it is your ambition. Lord Jesus, it was your sacrificial gift. It's your, it's your heart and passion to plant yourself in us. To, to take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, to, to make us new creations, to seal us as your bride, Lord Jesus, as your sons and daughter, daughter, Father, and to empower us to be your witnesses. Lord, I pray you'd pour out your spirit afresh, that we would manifest every gift and every expression of worship that you would have us to, to, to give you glory in, that every every gift that you provide, uh, Holy Spirit, would, would express itself in honor and glory to you, that you would fill the saint. For those that have been baptized in the Spirit that are here this morning, I pray, Father, that you would fill afresh your Spirit in us, that you would pour out your Spirit in such a fresh way that our worship is, uh, as living sacrifices is exuberant and, and radical, and, and, and our faith is... Uh, is empowered uh, to be obedient to your word in ways that, um, that, are, that are pleasing to you. And so we love you. I ask that you would do great things in us, through us, that your spirit would continue to transform and heal, refresh and reveal you to the world through us. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I, I, do you long for a greater, a, the power of the Holy Spirit to just take up residence in us and have the great expression of his power and his love, his presence, all of that to the world? Man, I, I'm so invigorated by this text to, 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 to honor, please hear this, to honor what Jesus did to make this possible. How do we honor what Jesus did to put his spirit in us, but to just allow the Holy Spirit to have his full expression through our lives? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And and I hope we can do that together because I I believe that great things will be done if if we just get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have his way in us, through us, in all that we do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this up next week because I think that's a lot for us to kind of take in this morning. It's a, that's, that's a refreshing, challenging piece. Um, it's so encouraging to know that, that God wants to be in us. He wants to use us. Um, and he is, Jesus went through all of that to give us his, his spirit to dwell in us. So uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And uh, let's sing.
as if God has done great things because <laughs> he has. Let's celebrate like, the, you know, like when we believe these things, it invigorates our heart. It challenges and it stimulates just just an expression of worship. Uh, but let me pray as we uh, as we finish in song. Father, we pray that uh, our worship would go beyond our singing. Let, help us to sing uh, because our hearts are singing, uh, because our lives are singing. Uh, because uh, because it, the, the truth of your word has has found full expression in our life, and we thank you that your spirit invigorates us beyond our sorrow to a place of comfort and peace and joy. And uh, thank you for the miracle of the of the of the new creation in us. And we pray that our, our lives would reflect that in all we do. We love you in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.